This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Hello, everyone. Good evening from myself. Good afternoon from Mr. Dorinda over in the Aussie land. This is episode 47 of the Laravel News Podcast. And I am recording in a house full of sleeping women and children. So I will be a little bit quieter than normal. I'm not going to be my normal, loud, boisterous self. If, if you can even imagine such a thing. It's hard to imagine. I'll try and make up for it. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, we've got, I'm going to try and categorize this here for us. We've got a couple of releases for Laravel, 5.5.13, 5.5.14. We've got a couple of posts by one of our favorite human beings, Mr. Paul Redmond. Uh, We are going to talk about Hacktoberfest a little bit. We're going to talk about testing a little little bit, some releases that have gone on. We've got a couple, uh, and then that's it for basically Laravel News, Laravel News. And then we've got community links that are, uh, we've got two blogs, two eloquent things, two packages. That's everything. We're going to try and get through all that today. So a lot of good stuff here. Why don't we get started? Let us. Let us get started. All right. First up, let's talk about 5.5.13. So this was tagged on 9.24. So a couple of weeks ago now. Is that right? A couple of weeks ago or was that last week? Uh, yep. Yeah, two weeks now. Two weeks now. Two weeks ago. So we just missed it. It's addressing an ongoing issue related to a security fix that was tagged in version 5.5.11. Which we did talk about last time. We did talk about that one, yeah. So this should be the last quick patch release related to the remember token fix. So definitely upgrade to 5.5.13 if you have not upgraded since going to 5.5.11 or 5.5.12. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going to let you... I'm going to let it hang there for a second because I'm reading about this config option for the Whoops blacklist. Have you looked at this? Mm. PR leverages whoops building blacklist ability. I'm trying to figure out why you'd even want to do this. Sometimes I'm not the only one looking at my development work. Uh, I'll often show a little previous of what I'm working on. Hmm. Oh, so this would be to blacklist certain keys within your environment or server or post. Ah, so interesting. In, yeah, in the event that you accidentally leave whoops on in your production environment, it's not going to dump things like your database password or your... Uh, authenticated user's password or your you know app keys for s3 or things like that so that is a very very helpful addition um it's been merged it's been merged into laravel i wonder if maybe it's a good idea to also push that into whoops itself um let's see oh, no, it's, it's, a built, it's built, built in, in blacklist. it's built, built in, in blacklisting yeah. yeah so now it's just kind of putting it into a config in laravel and whoops.php this is interesting i wonder if it also is taking it out of the log hmm. probably not probably, probably not because not. this is just for whoops so yeah. i've had problems before as well where like it's not a problem right it's on your production server or whatever where you might get like a user's password mm-hmm. if you were catching it or something and throwing something to the log. So I was wondering if it would kind of blacklist those values as well. Originally, what I was thinking this was, was something like in your handler where you're ignoring certain types of exceptions, but that's not what this is. This is ignoring certain keys and making sure that they don't get dumped out to your whoops display Yeah. when something occurs, when an error occurs. Yeah. Yeah. That's a yep. really good point. So 
Uh, makes good sense. Yeah. I mean, I would still caution against using whoops in your production environment, at least with the full debug backtrace. But certainly having a whoops config file and blacklisting any of those secret keys or passwords, your application key, for example, highly recommend that. Very cool. It looks like there's also a collection method that got added in and it is pad. So what this will do is it will take an existing array and then it will allow you to specify a length that you would like it to be and what you would like to fill any missing values with. So uh, for instance, let's say you had an array that contained the values A, B, C. If you collected those values and then put pad, and then for the first argument, the length of the array that you want it to be, five. And then for the second argument, what you want to fill that with, let's say zero in this case, your array would now become A, B, C, and then for the last two key, uh, for the last two values, zero, zero. You can also specify a negative value. So if it, instead of it being uh, five, zero, five being the length of it, you can specify a negative five. And instead of pushing those values onto the end, it'll push them onto the beginning. So that's kind of interesting. I'm trying to think of a good example for when I would use it. Uh, I'm thinking maybe for stuff like uh, select drop downs and things like that. Maybe. Yeah, nothing immediately pops into my head. But yeah, certainly anywhere where you need to populate, maybe have a consistent length of items in the array. On occasion, what I'll do sometimes is like, so not necessarily this, but what I may do is I may say like, if I know that I want to run something like run a, co a collection like 10 times, mm -hmm. I'll just do like a range, like collect range because I don't really care what the values are. I literally just want 10 values. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Just run it 10 yeah. times kind of thing. Yeah has nothing to do with what we're talking about right now, though. So a yeah. little, little tidbit for you. All right, that's 5.5.13. There's a couple other things uh, on Laravel News you can check out, but that's those are kind of like the two that really mattered. In addition, we've got 5.5.14, which is a little bit more meaty. It's got a couple more things to it. So let's talk about that. Sure. Uh, one of the things that looks like this is interesting, uh, it allows passing a callback to with. I'm assuming this is going to be on the on Eloquent. Uh, the with helper, yeah. Yeah, with is a global helper. So you can say like, like what I, what I used to do with it is I would say like, hey, new up a class. And then after that, you would call a thing on it. So you'd say like with, and then you'd say new user, whatever. And then you would, after that, you'd say, username, you know, arrow sign, username equals Jake or whatever. I don't care. Okay. So I think what it does now is instead of passing a value for that first argument, you can pass in a callback. So you can pass in a closure. Does that make sense? So previously the with method took an object and then just returned that. So it was useful if you wanted to chain method calls onto that. Sure. So in that example, yeah, that you gave sense. with new user and then you could call methods directly on it. So it's yeah, a yeah. bit... I guess nicer than just you know paren new new user paren and then chaining it that way. With with the change that's been introduced in this this release, you can now pass it any value, and optionally pass it a second parameter, which is a callable, you know, function or a, or whatever else. Okay. And it will pass that value through the callback, before then returning ah, interesting. value. Okay. Sure, that makes sense. So he said he compared it to like uh, tap in mm. his uh, 
He says similar to tap, but returns the value from the callback. Yeah, whereas tap lets you modify the object, it do, but it doesn't return. Right. Yep. Exactly. So a good yeah. So for like tap, if you said like if you had called a user already and then you were going to call an update function on it, the update function just returns a boolean, and mm -hmm. a boolean isn't particularly useful. So you just want to you would say tap user and then you would call your closure, which would then do the update for your user. Uh, so it returns yeah. back to the original, right? But yeah. uh, this one with would return it after it's been passed through the callback. Yeah. So one thing that got me that stumped me initially with the tap method was that you can't return the tap because it do it doesn't intuitively return whatever the modified value is inside of the the callback on the tap method. So now with with you can do that. So if you wanted to manipulate something just before you return it from a controller method, for example, you could do it using the with method instead of the tap method. Gotcha. That makes sense. That's cool. One little tiny one here. There is a make exception command that's been added. So you can do PHP artisan make exception and then specify your exception. Uh, you may find yourself doing this more now that you have a render method that is available on any custom exceptions that you have and you can handle all your rendering in there. I mean, honestly, man, there's so much stuff in here that it's like, whatever. Uh, here's the deal. It's a pretty meaty dot release. I, it is. I love Laravel. It's amazing. We talk about this stuff every two weeks and we look through these change logs in depth and we still don't know what half of this stuff is. I mean, how much time would you have <laughs> to invest to actually know the entire scope of everything that's going yeah. on and be able to utilize all of it? It's just insane. The popularity of Laravel has just gotten to a certain point where it's literally like, I don't know how you could maintain that. Like if a Taylor and Muhammad, like they're going to have to hire a third person. Seriously, yeah. right? Like how many pull requests are there a day? I wonder, I'd be interested to know. Like, yeah. Speaking of pull requests, one thing that I saw very recently, and I don't know that it has been tagged in yet, but Caleb Porzio and Keith Damiani, both from Titan Co, were talking probably about a week ago about the ability to make assertions in your Dusk tests based on components from Caleb, and also the ability to then reach into those components and make assertions about the state of the data in the component. So I'm pretty sure Taylor threw that out as a little like challenge to those two guys. And it was only a few hours later that Keith actually brought that that functionality in. And I believe it's been merged in yet. I don't don't know for sure that it's been tagged at the time of this recording. But essentially what this is now allowing you to do is to make an assertion on the state of the data within a view component in your Laravel Dusk tests. So if you are trying to um, make assertions about, you know, you click on a button and it's supposed to change some value. Previously, you would have to look at the, the output to see what had happened, but there was no way of looking at the, the data property in your view component. Now you can make that assertion directly in your Dusk test. And Taylor has written a blog post about it as well. So we will link that up in the show notes. But I thought that was really handy, especially as someone who had just written his first lot of uh, Dusk tests in the last few weeks. That's awesome. Yeah, I did see those. It, it certainly made that much, much, much easier. Because I was, as I said previously what you would do is you would have to fire like a click event into your page into your loaded page and then you would simply make sure that some other value had been created so that then created this situation where i was adding id uh, attributes to elements yeah. or i was adding yeah. 
data attributes simply so that so I that can target can my tests, yep. which, yeah, we, and which generally you don't want to do. You know, you don't want to change your output to make the tests work. So, you know, this way you can certainly target the components that you've already got and then look at the data inside them. So, yeah. Keith Damiani made that change that's beginning it has been tagged in dusk version 2.0.6 yeah it's like kind of like snapshot testing right so it takes snapshots yeah. of your component state at a certain point in time and then you can make assertions based on that so that's pretty neat there's also this idea yeah. of like component objects as i think what caleb was pushing yeah. out there Right. So like uh, yep. you can have pages, but you can also have component objects, which would be a really clear way to be able to test those components kind of like in their little isolated units. Yeah. Without having to like reach inside, reach inside, reach inside or whatever. You can just it, yep. if, you, if you go look at the pull requests and his like proposal, it's really looks really, really good. So, yeah, we'll create a little story of that. We'll link up the tweets that, that spawned it all. We'll link up the blog post that Taylor subsequently wrote about it. And it certainly makes it easier. Like Dusk has already made it super easy to do those end-to-end kind of tests. But then it got a little bit tricky to, to sort of make those kind of assertions that we just talked about. Right. And, you know, previously you might have had to learn some kind of JavaScript testing Correct. framework. You might have had to learn Jest or Correct. something like yeah, that. that's what I'm looking at At right which now. point it might have got, you know, all too much overwhelming and you would have just gone, well, this is close enough. Well, now as Laravel tends to do, as the community tends to do all at once with their crazy hive mind mentality is we need this thing and suddenly that thing appears. So... Kudos to to Caleb and Keith and even Taylor just putting the challenge out there to those those two guys to get it to get it done. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. So Just is is used for uh, React, right? So Just has got that right. basically. It's a easy setup, instant feedback, snapshot testing, zero configuration testing platform. But it's another thing, right? It's another thing to add mm-hmm. to your testing list. So yeah. Whereas Laravel has always really pushed, you know, not only developers to write tests, you know, it encourages to make to make testing easy. Right. And whenever we hit a pain point as a community, we try and solve that thing to, again, make testing easier. So you don't have to sort of step out and learn other things. I mean, I encourage you to go out and learn those other things. But if you're one of those developers that has just got their head down and is trying to get things done and trying to make them robust by writing these tests, then Laravel certainly makes it a lot easier than trying to do everything from the ground up. For sure. So thank you, Titan, for volunteering these dudes' time. Thank you, Caleb. Thank you, Keith. Thank you, Taylor. Okay, we've got um, debate here. V-U-L-T-R. V-U-L-T-R. Volter. Is it Volter? Volter. Or is it a clever name, Vulture? Now, this is a debate between Michael and myself. I think it's Vulture. Michael thinks it's Volter. And I'm not sure which one it is. All I know is that their logo is a little bird. It looks like the old Twitter icon. Little Twitter, you know, yeah. it looks like a little blue it's a, bird. It's a cute little bird. It is not intimidating. It's not a vulture. It's not going to hurt right. you. It's just like V U L T R E. Is that how you spell vulture? How do you spell vulture? <laughs> no, vulture. V U L T U R E. Vulture. V U L C H E R. Vulture. No, this is a common thing, right? Where like you remove vowel. You move vowel. Oh my gosh. I'm like. I don't know what is wrong with me. I literally cannot think right now. Where you remove vowels, right? It's vulture. It's definitely yeah. vulture. You're wrong. I'm sorry. We're going to have to take a survey. We're going to have to but, put a survey out there. I think it's vulture. Anyway, 
I think we do. Put a survey out. How do you pronounce it? And then we'll get vaulted a vote yes. and we'll see what happens. The news is that it is now supported on Forge. So you can provision boxes straight from yes. Forge onto Vulture. Yes. There you go. Yes. Okay. I've been using Volta for the better part of two years. And every time I've asked Taylor, he's said it's difficult because they have different server sizes available at different times in different regions and different data centers. So it's always been tricky to be able to then present those options in the Forge UI. But it looks as though they have figured out how to do that, whether that means that Volta has added that to their API or Muhammad and Taylor have come up with some other clever way of doing it. I don't care. I can now <laughs> spin up those servers right from the Forge UI without having to go and manually you know, spin one up in the Volta UI and then come back to Forge and then copy and paste the URL to do a manual install and all that kind of stuff. So uh, thank you. I do encourage anyone who wants to look at a different option. The, the main reason, and for me, the main reason that I use Volta is because they have a point of presence in Sydney. That's what I thought. In Australia. Right. It's in our, yeah. yeah. Where DigitalOcean, they've been talking about it for as long as I've been with Volta. And as soon as I found them, I thought, well, look, it's it was $5 a month at the time. They now have servers starting from as little as $2.50 a month, uh, which I think gives you something like... And that's something we talk that's something we take for granted as Americans, right? Like the lag time yeah. is real, right? So you can't use like AWS stuff. You have to use Google because AWS doesn't have anything in Australia, right? And Google does. Or we they have oh, we had Coast? AWS. It was just more expensive than what Google gotcha. was. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, but $2.50 with Volta will get you 20 gig of solid state storage. It gets you 512 mega memory and it gives you 500 gig of bandwidth. So super easy to use it to get up and running. Wait, 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 wait. You said it's two fifty. Two dollars and fifty cents. Vulture it is. All right, I know what I'm doing tonight. I'm spinning up a box. Yeah. Two fifty. But seriously, two fifty. That's awesome. Spin it. Yeah. Sweet. Thank you, Taylor. Thank you, Vulture. Okay. Hacktoberfest 2017. Does everybody know what Hacktoberfest is? Let's talk about it. What is Hacktoberfest? Please, please tell us. Tell us. Okay, I will tell you. I'll do. I'll pull a Michael. Thank you for putting me on the spot, uh, Michael. All right, here we go. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Hacktoberfest is a uh, thing sponsored by DigitalOcean and GitHub, and you sign up. and The goal is to get at least four pull requests to public repos on GitHub. If you are signed up and you do that, you get a special edition Hacktoberfest 2017 T-shirt sent to your doorstep. If you don't get the pull requests in, you still get stickers if you sign up. Everybody gets stickers. Only people who get four public pull requests pulled in get the t-shirts. So I'm going for it. I didn't get a chance to do it last year, so I'm going for it this year. I've got a couple out there so far. I think I've got one. I've got another one I'm working on, and then it's, it should be no problem to find two more. There's yeah. a million projects out there, so... You, and look, I don't think you even need to have them merged. I think it's just a matter of submitting oh, really? the pull requests. I think it's, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's just encouraging you to to open those. Obviously, don't open rubbish. Right, like right. Don't, don't make open source maintainers' lives difficult. Um, there have been heaps and heaps and heaps of pull requests on little things within the Laravel documentation typos and and you know if you see a method that's not documented then submit a pull request worst case scenario you get a you get a free t-shirt at the end of it yeah so or best case scenario I yeah know. it depends on how you look right. at it if you're and if you're looking for something you're like oh i don't know anything yeah do do some documentation go look through level documentation see if there's anything that you can find or like a feature that's not documented or something like that and go go 
do the documentation. You don't have to be super technically. Fix a typo. Yeah, fix a typo for goodness sakes. But, but be careful. Don't don't submit multiple pull requests to the same to the same file at the same time because all you do is you're going to end up with merge conflicts, which again, open source maintainers don't want to have to deal with necessarily. So feel free to contribute, but yeah, but be helpful. There's like a threshold too. Like GitHub has got an intelligent algorithm that looks for like fraudulent pull requests if you're just trying to hit your four. So. Yeah, make sure it's helpful. Make sure it's useful. Okay. Yeah. We're going to go straight to the community links. We love our community. Don't we? Don't we love our community? Community is the best part of Laravel. Community is the best. It is. So uh, we are going to talk about what all of you have sent in. And let's start with the key is the key. Did you read this? I skimmed it. But I didn't read okay. it in great detail. I, so I'm going to rely on you to tell me what it's all okay. about. So um, this has to do with how stuff is sorted when using the sort by method on a collection. Okay. So if you have multiple things that you want to sort by. So let's say uh, last name and then first name. If you want to do that. So let's say you have uh, all of your users and you grab those back and then you want to do a sort by afterwards, not an order by, okay? We're not talking about order by, we're talking about sort by. So you have all your users in a collection already and you say sort by. Um, what you have to do is, I don't believe you can pass in like multiples. What you have to do is it's fluent. Mm -hmm. So you have to say sort by and then give a key and then sort by and then give a key. So if you wanted to sort by last name, first name, you would think, that you would say users sort by last name, sort by first name, thinking that it would sort by the last name first and then sort by the first name next, right? It does not. In fact, what it has to do is you have to do it in reverse. So if you want to sort something, you have to make sure you put the keys in reverse order. So if you wanted to sort by last name, first name, you'd have to say users sort by first name, then sort by last name. If you want to know why it's doing that, there is, uh, that's exactly what this post is detailing. I'm not going to go through the entire thing for you. It's not worth it. Um, but Keith Diamani uh, actually did, uh, I think he did some research on this. And people were a little bit worried like, ooh, that doesn't really seem intuitive. And it's true, but that's just kind of how it works. And the concern was that it was going to be maybe broken in future versions. You know, if they fixed it or whatever, and people were were utilizing mm -hmm. it, you know, kind of like utilizing that bug in the system to make it work that if they fixed it, it would break everybody's stuff. Yeah. So I think what they decided is that it's going to continue to be like this. And that's just how it is. It's just how it is. So helpful little tidbit there. If you ever find yourself in that situation, you want to sort by multiple keys. Make sure you put those keys in reverse order. I actually have a blog post out there too about this. Yeah, it looks like if you're using raw SQL, like if you do order by, they go in reverse order as well. Mm. So if yeah. you're writing it raw, if you're writing in raw SQL, you have to write the order bys in, in reverse order as well. If you're setting them equal to like specific keys. And it's it's a it's kind of an edge case. Okay. Okay. So anyway, uh yeah, the key is the key. Uh important to know. Make sure that you, when you're sorting by multiple keys, I will say this for the fifth time probably, put them in reverse order. There we go. Okay. The next one, you know what? I'm not going to let you take the next one because this is this was like life-changing for me this week. So I'm taking it. It's mine. Go okay. on. Okay. Go on. Do you know what I'm talking about? What am I going to talk about? I know what you're talking Hit about. Me. What am I talking about? Introduce it for Do me. Do our listeners know what you're yeah, talking about? Yeah, introduce it for me. Right. Lead, in, lead into it for me. Here we go. There 
there has been lots of rumbling, lots of noise, lots of discussion lately, perpetual requests and tweets and things like that about Docker and PHP and even Laravel. So Jake, why has Docker been so powerful for you this last well, week? Well, let me tell you. So I had a legacy code base and I'm running Valet, Valet for everything, right? Valet for the win, running PHP 7.1. But the problem was that this legacy site had been developed and is currently running on PHP 5.6 on Apache. Mm. So when I would try to run this site on my on my local you know, machine, run it on valet this thing is just chucking errors yeah. and it's not it does not look pretty and i had i messed with it for a long time it's a legacy code base so i gave up i was like screw it not going to do it and then our man paul redmond posted a great blog post called a simple keyword a simple approach to using docker and php i know number one paul's a great teacher and number two, if he says it's simple, it's actually going to be simple. So I was like, all right, I'm going to try this out. So I followed his blog post and I had a Docker machine set up on my box uh, running PHP 5.6 with Apache with MySQL in about 15 minutes. And nice. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> that was so easy and it worked perfectly. It did exactly what I needed it to do. So that was a couple of nights ago and I did it again today for a really legacy site, but it didn't even matter. doesn't matter how old legacy it is because it's just, I mean, whatever. So, you know, I know you can do vagrant machines and stuff like that, whatever, but Docker is the new hotness mm -hmm. and who doesn't want to know a little mm -hmm. bit about Docker because I knew absolutely nothing. And this blog post made it super easy to get started. So if you need to like containerize, if that's even the right word, some legacy app that you want to run on your machine, I would highly suggest checking this blog post out or... If you've just been curious about Docker and you're like, what's this whole Docker thing about? Like, how do I get started with this? Check that out. Check that blog post out. It's really awesome. Can I let you in on a little secret? I also have a legacy application, but my application is very legacy. It is running on Apache okay. 2.2 and PHP 5.4. No. 5.4? Yes. You're past is end gross. of life, my friend. It is horrible. I don't even know if they have Docker images for 5.4. Let me see. Docker Hub? Is that what it is? Gosh, I hope so. Hub.docker. Okay, here it is. Hold on. I'm going to look it up. But when I, got, when I got to this new job and I saw that it was PHP 5.4, I said, I'm pretty sure I'm going to have to do this in a Docker container because there is no way that I'm polluting my poor, poor little MacBook with PHP 5.4. I am sorry to tell you that <laughs> Docker Hub does not have an image for 5.4. No. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's probably some other image out there, but it's I'm not... sure there's some dirty, horrible hack that will yes, let me get it right. I'm sure there but... probably And is. look, I don't blame them. Like, why would there be a Docker image for something that is dangerously involved? You know, it's vulnerable. It's... it's... <sighs> Look, you don't have to take, you are preaching to the choir, my yeah. friend, but Docker may be my shining light. I think light it's here. probably going to be your shining light if you can get it to run on Docker, but. It will certainly make it easy for me to figure out how to upgrade this yeah. thing from 5.4. No doubt. No doubt. So huge shout out to Paul. Huge shout out for that blog post. Also, I'm just going to give a shout out to Mr. TJ Miller, 6Live. Today, he helped me with my Docker stuff for like a half hour. And uh, I'm expecting to get, you know, still get like an invoice for his, uh, you know, consulting fee. But yeah. I don't think so. He's just, yeah, he's, he's going to have to nice start guy. charging people because I think he should. Yeah. I've had so many people have like tweeted and like sent him kudos for helping them out with, you know, getting Docker up and running. And he's like, I know he's really busy and he's still finding time to help people out getting this stuff up and running. So thanks, TJ. 
Thanks, DJ. Yep. Also, Paul's coming out with a book, so we'll talk about that. We'll have, we're going to have him on. We'll talk about it at that time. He's going to he's coming out with a Docker book, we so will. that'll be great. Okay, let's talk about Eloquent. I'm going to let you take some of this stuff. So let's talk about Eloquent Relationship Cheat Sheet. Talk to us about this. Okay, so there was a link submitted via our community link section on the Laravel News website by, and I apologize in advance for my pronunciation here, Mahmoud Zalt. I think it's pretty good. I think you got it. I... I mean, that, that, that's how it looks, so I'm hoping it's close. But he has submitted a link on Eloquent Relationships. Re, relationship, <laughs> relationships. Relationships? Eloquent Relationship <laughs> Cheat Sheet. So this is a cheat sheet for Laravel's Eloquent RM version 5.5, so it is up to date. And it is a great run-through of the various relationship types supported by Eloquent out of the box. So it goes through one-to-ones, one-to-manys, polymorphic one-to-manys, many-to-manys, and polymorphic many-to-many relationships. And it talks about, you know, it gives you a little demo about business rules. So for example, for a one-to-one relationship, there are two models, an owner and a car, and two tables, owners and cars. And the business rules are that the owner can own one car and that the car can be owned by one owner. So the key there is on, I guess, the the naming. The owner can own one car, and the car can be owned by one owner. So it has a little diagram there on, you know, what it looks like for an owner to own a car, and it shows the inverse of that relationship. So you've got a has-one relationship on one side for the owner, and it belongs to on the other side for the car. Which are actually the methods that would you would use to define the relationships in your eloquent model, which is where this is like really that helpful. Is correct. Because those are the things that you forget a lot of times, right? You're like, yeah. I know this is a one-to-one. What is the relationship I need to use? And how do I define the inverse relationship? So it's like, okay, mm-hmm. return has one, you know, return belongs to. Yeah. So Yep, yep. And it and it reads nicely in English. So if you look at your eloquent model, you'd have an owner model, and your owner model would have a car relationship. And the easy way to remember it is that an owner has one car. And it does read nice because you say this has one, yeah. right? You say return this has one, and then you specify the relationship with this has one car. And then you say car, this belongs yeah. to owner, right? Yeah, it reads yeah. super well. So the car belongs to an owner. So it reads very well. I'm sure there was a lot of pain that came into you know, coming up with the right naming. And I'd like to credit Taylor, but I think even before that, with Rails and Active Record, you know, the original implementation, I'm pretty sure that's where those names come from. But it is super intuitive. It like explains what's happening. It's easy to read. And so that's, you know, that's that's one relationship type, but it also talks about what your models look like, what your migrations would look like for each of the tables, how you would implement the foreign keys. And then it also talks about the methods that you would call to store and retrieve those related models. And that's the thing that always trips me up is when to call which method on what model. So I think I'm going to keep this page bookmarked. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's like some other, there's some other stuff too. Like, so, you know, not everybody is a learner where they learn by like reading or whatever. There's a lot of people who are like mm-hmm. visual learners and just need like a diagram. Like if you could just show them a diagram. And so these, these diagrams are really very intuitive and kind of, so if you, you know, if you've not worked with relationships before, just like if you're new to databases, even if you're just trying to figure out what is this one-to-one, one-to-many, many-to-many, all this stuff, what is this? How does this work? Mm-hmm. These diagrams will help you out a lot in kind of figuring out what that is. The polymorphic stuff uh, is a little bit more, I don't know if you'd even call it advanced. I don't know if you'd call it advanced, but uh, it's a bit more involved. Yeah, you might you might end up finding yourself asking like, hmm, well, where would I use this? How would I use this? Uh, Adam Wathen's got a great p- 
post out there called Pushing Polymorphism to the Database. And he talks about coupons and different types of coupons. So instead of defining Mm -hmm. like trying to have all the properties for all the different types of coupons in one database record, Mm -hmm. he has like a coupon, but then it references like these other, uh, you know, you can cast it. Basically, you can transform it into this certain, you know, these different types of coupons, whether it's a percent off coupon or a fixed amount coupon Mm -hmm. or or whatever, you know. So if you're looking for like, how would I implement this, these polymorphic relationships? What's a good example? That would be a great post to go check out. Uh, we will link that up in the show notes. Yeah. The other one that I have come across more recently and personally is just storing notes against customer records. So we have a notes table. So you can store notes against a customer or you can store notes against the specific service that belongs to that customer. And that's where you can leverage polymorphic relationships. So you would only ever have a notes table and then you can just relate the type of note, whether it's a service note or a customer note in that one place and they can all maintain their own state and things like that. So yeah, thank you very much to Mahmood for this post. Thank you to Adam for his post, both of which we will link to in the show notes. Excellent. Uh, We also have Jesse Shutt. I think that's how we say his name. I always said like Shuit. I don't think that's correct. So it's shut. must be shut. Sounds like an open and shut case. Yeah, there we go. This is one of those things. Again, this is a, you know, the this last one we talked about with the cheat sheet as well as this. Um, these are things that if you've been using Laravel for any amount of time, you're probably aware of these things and you probably have used them before. But it's good for a refresher or for people who are newer, newer to the community and haven't checked out any of this stuff. So like, these combo methods, what he's talking about is methods in Eloquent that you might use like first or new or first or create or find or new or update or create. These combo methods where the method in- includes like two things. And what this allows you to do is it allows you to kind of shortcut that check that you'd have to do to say, hey, do I have a user here? If I don't have a user, go ahead and create one. Instead of having to do that in two lines or using a conditional, you just do it in one go. So user find or create and then you can specify like here's the array of data i'm looking for if that does not exist go ahead and create a new user with these values right so um it's definitely worth a look at and uh, you might find some stuff that you did not know about it's super helpful man these combo methods they they can save you a lot of code and really clean up your code base yeah and even if you may be familiar with those methods, you may not be familiar with the fact that you can actually pass a second parameter to them. So I won't spoil any of that uh, on air, but we will certainly link up and encourage you to read the blog post in the show notes. Yeah, please do. It's, it's yeah, like I said, I, there I, I'm even looking through this here and there are some of them that I've not used before or didn't know really were a thing. So yeah, check it out. Okay, we also have a couple packages. We are going to move into the packages section. I have two that I wanted to talk about. The first one, you seemed to know more about than I did as far as how they're doing it. So why don't you take that one? Validating credit cards. Of course, nobody should be validating credit cards anymore anyway, because you should all be using... Something that does it for you. Anything. Literally anything that does it for you, please use it. (laughs) I wonder if Adam is doing this on KiteTail. I wonder if he has to validate credit cards. Probably. It's 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 a simple check. Like it can be forged. All it does is is verifies that it is a valid card number. Okay. So there is a formula. Sure, sure. There is a formula that is used to calculate credit card numbers, and it's basically a it just uses a check checksum to make sure that the number is valid. But whether or not it is an actual credit card 
is an, is a different issue entirely. Sure. And that that then comes down to your payment provider. It comes down to the card issuer to then say yes, this is a, a valid thing. What is the t- what is like the formula used? What did you you had a name for it? Um, it's called the LUN algorithm. Okay, L U H N. L U H N. Yeah, LUN algorithm or LUN, LUN formula. It's it's basically a mod ten algorithm, which I won't explain yeah, don't, because I don't know. <laughs> but it's it's basically a simple checksum that it's used to validate credit card numbers, IMEI numbers that are used to identify uh, mobile phones. There's like Canadian social security numbers and things like that. So it's basically just a checksum of of the number to make sure that left to right it is you know a valid number. Yeah. So what this package does is it basically provides you a Laravel validator, right? So in in Laravel validation, yeah. you have like numeral digit whatever but you don't have a validation method for credit cards so this is essentially provides Mm -hmm. that so this is a laravel credit card validation method and you can just pull it in as a package which is pretty handy i I had to learn that stuff in college i was a math ed major so i had to do like number theory was one of my classes we had to learn about Mm checksums and mods and pretty stuff pretty cool stuff actually but i don't remember any of it i did actually have to implement this i didn't oh i didn't have to but this was a few years back, just before I finished up at a job, so I was spending some time, like really over engineering some of the code that I was writing before I left. <laughs> nice. Testing was not common there. Object-oriented programming was not common there, and so I was just, you know, sharpening my toolset, sure, making everything object-oriented and writing tests for everything and going to extremes on validations. So, because why not? Um, yeah, yeah, like it's it's interesting stuff. Um, you know, you want to keep your brain sharp and and learn new things, and you know, learning how to implement a formula like that is interesting to some people at some time. Yeah. All right. But uh, yeah, definitely, um, we will link that up in the show notes. What was this other one that you had on here, Laravel Talk? Tell us yeah, about that. Yeah. So Jake. this looked interesting to me because I've had to do. I mean, it seems like a waste of time, right? To be like, oh, you're going to implement this like chat thing or this talk thing why don't you just use email or why Mm -hmm. don't you just use like some sort of messenger like slack and things like that and that's fine that is a valid point Mm -hmm. however what if you want to validate or track what was sent and if the person who was supposed to receive it actually read it so that's why this kind of piqued my interest I, i had for like you know it was like a coaching sort of thing where like a manager goes in and they can see what, you know, the metrics that they've defined for their team to hit, right? Their key performance indicators. And they can kind of send them a message coaching them. Hey, we need to work on this number for today. Try and get it up to five by the end of the day, whatever. Mm-hmm. And when that when they send that message, we need to make sure that the person who is supposed to receive it has read that message within a couple minutes, you know, whatever. And if they haven't, then we need to go talk to them because these, you know, these messages are important, like when they're sent. So I had to implement that, which seemed sort of silly. It was like kind of like inventing email again or reinventing email again, right? So this Laravel talk package essentially is a user conversation inbox system with real-time messaging. So you can think of it like a little, uh, like a little chat box that you could put at the bottom of one of your pages or whatever. But it's just, I mean, it it gets you started and whatever, in like about five minutes. So uh, you can then modify it, right? It's built on Laravel 5.5 and it uses, uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of the the messaging stuff that's not messaging stuff was what am I looking for? I'm sure it uses like Echo and things like that, right? To handle the real time aspect Mm -hmm. of it. Uh, So yeah, I thought it's worth worth a checkout. And if that's something that you've had to implement in the recent past or something you're looking to do in the future might be a good starting point for you yeah definitely all right we had an extra here on the bottom 
And you wanted to talk about this, maybe. Why not? All right. So this one last one is from the team over at Laravel Daily, written written by Pavilus Korop. I, pr- I hope I got close there. He's very active on the Laravel Daily website. He's always blogging. He's got some videos that he puts out on YouTube from time to time. This post is about expiring passwords and forcing users to change their password every X days. In in some environments, in some sectors, it's you know common. I don't know. Maybe Jake, you do you have those kind of restrictions? Yeah, we, we do. Maybe not I in your web apps. No, but... I don't have to handle it in my application because um, it's all sure. handled through Active, your Active Directory. Directory. Yeah. yeah, sure. So I mean, it's something. If anyone that's ever been in a, a Windows SOE environment, it's usually part of that where you will have to you know reset your password every thirty days or sixty days or whatever. But there's not been a, a really good way of doing that within Laravel. So this blog post runs through tracking when the password was last changed, creating a, a page to then, you know, force users to reset their password periodically, um, you know, check when they log in. Uh, I don't know that it handles necessarily... Oh, it does. So there is also a middleware to check your expired password. So if you are logged in with a password that hasn't been reset for 30 days, it will actually boot you back to an expired password page and, and force you to reset it. So there you go. Yeah. if that's something that yeah, if that's something that you need to to deal with within your web applications, certainly check it out. The link will be in the show notes. Yeah. Thank you, Pavilus. I'm gonna get that wrong. That's terrible. Pavilus, I reckon. Pavilus caught up. Pavilus caught up. Yeah, he has been kind of doing crazy stuff. Like he's got a YouTube channel and everything, I think. Yeah. yeah. I've not watched much of his stuff, but I know he's doing a lot of stuff. Yeah, hopefully we'll hear from him on uh, on our sister podcast over on the the Laravel podcast with Matt Stauffer yeah. at some point in the yeah, future. Yeah, that'd be really cool. All right, hey, I think that wraps it up. It is twelve forty five here, so I'm going to go to bed. I just finished painting a little while ago. I got painting. We're redoing a bathroom. Fun time. I was going to ask you about that. You had paint all over Did your I hands. Have, oh, hold on, let me see. Do I have paint? How did you see my hands? Well, you were holding your hands up. Okay. You were doing you were doing a Mr. Burns impression. Throwing my gang signs before. <laughs> uh, yes, I was painting, and I've got paint all over my hands. I wear these gloves usually now, so I don't get paint all over my hands because then people always ask and mm-hmm. harass you. Are you painting? Whatever. It's annoying. Are you still painting? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I usually wear gloves. I'll now, give but... you free board when you come and visit. You can paint my house. <laughs> a board. What's a board? Board? You don't know what board is? No. What are you talking about? You'll give me a free like room and board. Oh, you okay? Okay, okay. I thought you said you'll give me a yeah. free board. Like I'm gonna paint with a board. Yeah, I'll give you free board. Like I'm gonna paint room and yeah, board, and you. you can paint okay. my house in return. Okay. I got you. So yeah, I I had to clean up though, and I was like in a rush to get done so I could record this podcast, and so I got <laughs> paint on my hands. <sighs> well, we appreciate okay. it. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening to another episode of the Laravel News Podcast, episode 47. You can find show notes for this episode at laravel-news.com slash podcast slash 47. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to hit us up on our personal Twitter accounts or at Laravel News. Rate us up. Rate us up in your podcatcher of choice. Uh, Everybody else has been saying this recently, like five stars only. I think that's sort of like that's a cop out, right? Yeah. Like, we don't want honest. I guess I we mean, don't uh, want honest feedback, people. We don't really want your honest feedback. We only want five if stars. You don't, if you don't think the show is worth five stars, please, please, please reach out to us on Twitter yeah. or via email, or you know, you, I mean, you can find us on the internet. Please, please, please tell us what it is that you what don't do you like want? about you know the show, let's, so let's that we can that. make yeah. it better. What do you, what do you guys want? What do you guys and girls out there want? 
What do you want us to change? Hmm. We are very responsive to this stuff. So hit yeah. us up. Don't yeah, if it's negative, just if you want us to change something, just tell us. If you want to get a shout out on the show, if you want to do that, just message us. We'll probably do it. So talk to us. Yeah. Let us know what you want. We're we're happy to help help out in that way. And if you've made it this far in the podcast and haven't shut it off yet, I congratulate you. Well done. All right. I think we're it. I think that's it. We're all done. Yeah, I think so. Okay. If anybody hears little chirping in the recording, that's Michael. That's not me. He's got little birds outside in Australia. <laughs> it is spring. It is spring. <laughs> spring there and it's fall turning to winter here. So weird. Uh, I've been reading this book called The Spin Saga and it's doesn't really have uh-huh. to do with seasons, but it's kind of interesting. Check it out if you're looking for a good sci-fi. <laughs> All okay, right. I think it's too late. I'm like punch drunk right now. I need to go to sleep. Yeah. Rabbit. I am. And I'm going to <laughs> go read my book now which, for a couple minutes. Which is normally what I'm like when we record these yes, shows. Because you've just woken up. So I appreciate I appreciate that we're wanting to do this when it's later in the day for you so that I don't have to get up quite so early. I think we're going to have to do this. This is going to have to be our new time. Late yeah, on Friday like nights. It. Okay. Sounds good. I'll let you go, man. All right. We will speak to you all in two Sounds weeks. good. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Boom, we are recording. Okay. Well, so far we've had phantom bird noises. We have had you telling the wind to quiet down. <laughs> we have discussed whether it is vulture or vulture. Yeah. Which I believe it is vulture. We have discussed the pronunciation of Jesse Schutt's last name and made some funny jokes about saying it like a curse word. That's not a curse word. That's not a curse word. I'm just more like interested you, that you'd called him Jesse instead of Jesse. Jesse? We didn't we Did didn't I, discuss how to pronounce his first name. Maybe we should have done that before we started recording. That would have been good. <laughs> okay, we've got a lot of stuff today. A lot. So, so many we're things. probably just going to have to cut out as we go. Uh what episode are we on? 47, I think. Okay.